Welcome, adventurers, to the Murder Hobo Min Maxers podcast, where we take your favorite characters from games, movies, and books, and we turn them into playable characters in 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Dan, sleight of hand. So, my name's Shades. <laughs> For anybody who can't see, which is everybody, Paul's wearing shades. I have to. I have to be in character for Cyclops. Excellent. Um, so we, a little bit about us. We are seasoned dungeon masters, players, and fanboys. We put this podcast together because who doesn't love a little bit more D and D in their life? So a little bit about the challenge for this week. I'll just outline it. The challenge that we chose, the theme was X-Men and, uh, we challenged each other to make characters, and what we do with those characters is uh, we take the standard array for for uh, ability scores just to make things a little easier, and we uh, take those characters to level six, and then we talk about our builds. So uh, last week, I challenged you, Shades, to make Cyclops and some extra credit to uh, come up with a concept for Professor X word yeah and uh i knew that dan with sleight of hand would be the right person to make gambit um i think that you know dan always really liked gambit when we were kids one of one of his favorites not not his favorite but one of his favorites and um i wanted to throw in jubilee because you know one time i was hanging out with a buddy and we did a who which x-men are you test and I, I turned out to be Jubilee, and <laughs> nobody's ever let me live that up, and so I have to make him create Jubilee. Oh yes, I I like don't even want to dilly dally. I'm so excited <laughs> to get into this. I cannot wait to see your Cyclops build. So I think you should go first, and I say we just we just jump right in today. Yeah, and for reasons that you'll find out, I must start with Professor X. <clears throat> so Professor X, I did not make him on a character sheet. He is not for players, okay? Anybody I mean, if could, you did, he'd have to be like level 20, you yeah, know? Yeah, and, and you, could in, you could make a build that's inspired by a psychic, and you could make a really good one, and you could have a lot of fun. You could take every mind spell there is and have a great time. But Professor X is on a different level entirely, and I believe that he's a boss battle, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and <clears throat> here's the thing. You know, when I thought about what kind of uh, race, class, everything, I was just like, you know, I think that he's a gen, a gen. I don't know how to pronounce it right. I think it's a gin. Yeah. He's a he's gin, a genie. Yeah. And uh-huh. a genie is one of the most powerful beings. They even rival the gods almost. And that's what I see him as. Now, if you want to do a battle of somebody stupid enough to get in a fight with a genie, then I would say that the simplest thing to do, which is what I did, was just look up your monster manual and go to the page for Beholder and use everything that he has, but uh, convert it over to it being uh, Professor X. So, for example, uh, every single time he does a turn, he's going to get to choose from 
quite a few different eye ray abilities, but you can call them psychic abilities. Uh, you can use a charm ray, paralyzing ray, fear ray, slowing ray, uh, the sleep ray, disintegration, death rays. Basically, all these mean is that there's going to be a saving throw. Everybody in a certain radius has to pass or else that thing is going to happen to them. And of course, with the boss battle, he's going to have legendary actions, which means that one time before it's his turn again, after someone else's turn, at any point, he can use one of those again, randomly. I'm getting goosebumps, dude. This is so on point. This is so cool. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about him is he's not just a psychic. He also has pretty, uh, you know, um, low-grade uh, telekinetic powers. And But I think that he uses those in order to levitate his chair so he can move around. And so I don't use any abilities like knocking things from the walls like Darth Vader would or anything like that, because I believe that he's using his concentration for those powers to levitate his chair. That's cool. That's really cool. And the beholder sort of floats like that. So that also fits. That's cool. Yeah. And, and here's my theory. You know, I started watching X-Men, the cartoon, and then started reading the comic books about the same time I started playing D&D. And I have so we're, a theory. We're talking about the cartoon in the 90s, right? Yes, the 1990s animated series. It changed my life. It got me yeah. into comic books, made me go down to Heroes Hideaway over on the corner of Otto Parkway and Del Dios once a month to go pick up my X-Force, X-Men, the, eventually the Wolverine standalone comic. You know, I was just too into that stuff, and but also into D&D. And I have a D&D... Uh, goes into X-Men type of a, of a theory. And that is why I explained Professor X first. Because I believe, as a djinn, that he is the god that warlocks make their pact to. And oh, that's how it goes into Cyclops. Because I believe Cyclops is a warlock that completely... Um, just concentrates on his Eldritch Blast, but I changed the name of Eldritch Blast to Optic Blast because I don't see any reason why an Eldritch Blast can't come out of someone's eyes like a laser beam. Oh, for sure. Definitely. In fact, I believe that in order to be a being that people would make a pact to in order to gain powers... Sometimes you're not as good as people think you are. You know, he Professor X isn't that nice grandpa you go and sit on his lap and 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 while he's taking a nap and give him a hug. He's he's sometimes he's a pretty bad guy regardless of his good intentions with with humanity and and mutants. In fact, there is a certain point in the comics where I kind of you know start to think that he starts to lean more towards Magneto's point of view. And I think that rather than admitting it and putting himself in the open, he uses Cyclops as a puppet in order to do that for him. Because there is a certain point where uh, Cyclops does kind of become insane. He becomes crazy. And he kind of becomes like Magneto and Wolverine becomes like Professor X. And everybody's always like, where's Professor X? He's gone. He's gone. I don't think he's gone. I think he's just still a puppeteer 
It's interesting that you bring that up and you sort of bring up the duality of Professor X because, I mean, especially in the cartoon, he was just, you know, he's just like this perfect person who who has everybody's good intentions, you know, at, at heart. And but but that's not the case. He's he reminds me of Dumbledore because like Dumbledore is everybody's hero. But there's a lot of characters that really don't like Dumbledore. And you're like, I don't get it. Like, he seems like a nice guy. But when you start learning about his past, you're like, oh, like he's not a saint. He, you know, he's done some bad stuff. And I think you're right. I think Professor X is the same, is the same thing. Yeah. And that's really cool. And Cyclops is his blue team leader, his right hand man. And uh, I also believe that in the beginning, when Cyclops and uh, I believe that Professor X caused Cyclops and Alex Summers' uh, plane to crash, separate them from their parents, separate them from each other. Because if you look at Alex, who's codenamed Havoc, his powers are so Eldritch Blast-based. I think that those brothers are both warlocks, and they both have packs with Professor Xavier. And at first, you see like uh, Cyclops is the golden boy, and Havoc is kind of like a black sheep in a way. But I think that they both had their purposes in Xavier's mind. And I, and ultimately um, as things shift later with Cyclops, um, you know, I got to read a line here because in one of my favorite comics um, schism where Wolverine and Cyclops have this total death battle, you realize, you know, in the beginning uh, Cyclops didn't get a lot of respect from Wolverine, but eventually Wolverine follows him. You know, he's even more, um, he's, he's, I would say that he gets, he, he's always committed to the X-Men, even when he's a new Avenger, he's still committed to the X-Men. And he says this line to Cyclops right before crap hits the fan. He says, I've done everything you've ever asked me to do. I've kept your secrets. I've lied to my friends. I've killed who you said to kill. And I did it so that they wouldn't have to. And he's pointing at the kids. Yeah. You know, the kids that live in Utopia because Cyclops kind of goes crazy and he has all the remaining mutants that he can come to an island that they call Utopia. It's just like Asteroid M for Magneto, mm-hmm. where he goes, Hey, I'll tell you what, we're gonna go here and we'll leave you alone if you leave us alone. But if you come to us, we're gonna we're gonna bite back and you're gonna be sorry. That's the same yeah. thing Cyclops does. And he still has and now he has Wolverine's respect. And yet they get into this death match. And I'll tell you what, like everybody thinks that Cyclops is some pansy, but they get to a point where they're at a stalemate. Like Wolverine doesn't beat Cyclops. In fact, Cyclops has Wolverine looking like he's a zombie. It's so bad with his optic blast. And yeah, he's still going, but it ends up being a draw. Nobody wins. And in order for any character to get a draw with Wolverine, they're top tier characters. Oh, for sure. And, and Cyclops, Cyclops is so much cooler than they made him in the movies. You know, like they made him a dork and it, he's not, you know, there was a lot going on with Cyclops. And like, like I said, there is a reason why he was the leader. He was, he, he was not somebody you should mess around with. Yeah, he just was not. He's got a temper too. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when I when I started making him, of course, charisma was the most important thing because that's the most important thing in a warlock and I believe as a leader, 
charisma is one of the most important aspects. Um, but also, for as a secondary, I chose constitution because that guy goes through a lot. Yeah, we see him go through some bad phases where he's in a tough place, but he gets through it, especially physically. Um, you know, with the dumb stats, it doesn't really matter. I don't. I see him as average intelligence, average wisdom, average strength, average dexterity. You can choose whatever you want to dump out of those because really you only get one ability score that's going to go down to, you know, negative one. So you can choose whichever one you want to choose, but it doesn't really matter. The charisma is the most important part, but I didn't take him up too high. I just took it up to 16 thinking that's enough. You know, you start off at 15. I chose a variant human. I thought it was appropriate because he's a mutant, not a human being. Yeah. So he got that extra one to charisma from that, that I got to choose myself. And then I brought the, I used the other one, I think on constitution to make sure that one would go up once too. And, um, as my first feat that I chose, because when you choose a variant human, the best thing about it is they get a feat. And if you ask me, that's a really good representation of a mutant because they have a genetic, um, they have a, they have genes that give them some kind yeah. of ability to start out with, which gives them an advantage over a regular human being in the first place. And so what do we choose as a feat? I chose the spell sniper. Okay. So the first thing that he gets is that when he casts a spell that requires him to make an attack roll, which is Eldritch Blast, the range is doubled. And that is huge in D&D because you can start hitting stuff before you're even in a fight. And Eldritch Blast already has a really good range. I think it, yes. I think it starts off at 120 feet. It's ridiculous. So I know it's, it's far, but you know when you're able to shoot things with your eye, you can hit just about anything. Yeah, as the, far as you the, can see. Yeah, and here's the, most, the thing that I liked the most. This was the most important thing. You also make it so your range spell attacks ignore half cover and three quarters cover, which is just like, oh, so you think you're going to hide behind that? It's like, nah, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And you think last... you're going to hide behind that? No. Cyclops's blast is going to go right through it. That's a, yeah, that's a good, um, that was a good idea. Yeah, the last one doesn't really matter. They they want to make it so uh, you can choose a spell that where the attack roll is going to be charisma-based. So that didn't really matter. I'm not going to be using anything but Eldritch Blast anyway. So so, But the first two things were so good, it didn't really matter. Uh, now, later, you have to choose Eldritch Invocations, okay? And I really liked the three that I chose. The first one was Agonizing Blast, which makes it so I can use my Charisma modifier to damage for Eldritch Blast. The second one was Repelling Blast. When you hit a creature, with, with Optic Blast in this case, you can push the creature up to 10 feet away from you. And so, if they're standing up on a ledge, they're going to fall off. Uh, if, if they're too close to you, you can push him away because yeah. I'm not a I'm not an attack of opportunity character as Cyclops. I'm a ranged character, and if somebody gets too close to me, I don't want to have to rely on my hit points. I don't want to have to rely on my on my armor class. I'm gonna blast them back away and say, "Hey, back off," which is one of his favorite things to say. Back off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then 
I know it's kind of ridiculous and maybe a little redundant, but I also used Eldritch Spear. <laughs> Which, I don't know. I guess you could, you could choose something else if you want. There's, there's one that makes it so you can see in the dark. Which which it would be a good one because I figure somebody with 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 black eyes, somebody with a uh, ray, you know, optic blasts that shoot out can probably see in the dark. So that one would probably be more appropriate. But you can do either one. Um, but most importantly, I've already gone over his pact, which is with a a gin named Professor Xavier. And he goes through a lot of changes by the end. Like I said earlier, I really do believe that he becomes more like Magneto and Wolverine becomes more like Professor Xavier. But I still think that Professor Xavier is around somewhere pulling the strings. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to, and, and you know, I know certain things about certain things and I don't want to give, I don't want to give too many spoilers for people who haven't taken the time to read the comics. Wow, dude, that, oh, what a great way to bring, to bring the X-Men feel to Dungeons and Dragons. I feel like after you explaining that, I feel like we could do an X-Men campaign, you know, uh-huh. with the Dungeons and Dragons in, in, in that world. And I want to do that. Like, that sounds so cool. Yes. Uh, yeah, now that you mention it, I hadn't even thought of that, and I don't know why, because that would be super awesome. But already, I've got, I've got a couple people asking me, you know, when are we going to do Nacho Libre? Yeah, <laughs> and um, and Ash Ketchum, and 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 also, um, I gotta think which which builds was it that you did? And Peter Lefleur, a very popular one. I can't say his name right, but you've done some really great builds too, and people want to play these movie characters. Yeah, I oh man. I think this gets me so excited. I think we could hundred percent do a D style X-Men campaign and like Professor X is this is is this like you know, and this honestly, Paul, this this leads me right into right into my build um because i kind of while i don't think i thought about it quite as much as you i still also had this idea that like because in x-men there are mutants and then there are like god tier mutants you know professor x is one of those um magneto's one of those apocalypse is is one of those you know and so i feel like that totally fits with D D. And so for my for my gambit build, I actually had a pretty similar idea to you. Um, I was having a really hard time locking down my gambit build. So I actually have three concepts that I think are all totally viable. And I've chosen one, which is which is the one that I would want to play um, to sort of focus on. So um, a little bit of backstory about Gambit, like Gambit is um, Gambit's Cajun, right? And he actually, when he was a baby, he was kidnapped and he was raised by a thieves guild. Um, and then one thing that they noticed is that since he was a baby, he's had these glowing red eyes, right? And so like 
they actually called him the white devil. And now they call them that in Cajun. And I am not even going to try and pronounce it the way that they do, but they call them the white devil. And so for me with these glowing eyes, the first thing that jumped out at me is, um, Gambit's a tiefling. Oh yeah. I didn't think of that. That's fantastic. Yeah. They call him the white devil. He's got these glowing eyes. I was like, Oh, he's a tiefling. Awesome. Because I've never made a tiefling character, so that made me really excited. Um, they get the the thaumaturgy cantrip automatically just from being a tiefling, which is a really useful ca- uh, cantrip. And one thing it does allow you to do is change the color of your eyes or make them glow or whatever. So, you know, I thought I thought that regardless of what class you choose, I think that tiefling is totally goes with gambit. Um, the the there were three classes that I was, well, three builds that I was sort of going through. And there's the first one, you know, Gambit was raised in a thieves guild and Gambit was a professional thief. So like you have to make a build as a rogue, right? At least one concept has to be a rogue. And so my thought was, how do I incorporate his throwing cards into a rogue build? So actually what I, what I did for that build is I chose the soul knife subclass. Um, the main feature that, that makes the soul knife subclass stand out is that you don't have to carry weapons. You, every turn, when you make an attack, you can make a psionic, like a psychic dagger appear. Can you throw them? And you can either hit or you can throw them. And so there it is. There it is. That's Gambit. Yeah. And so I thought like, that's awesome. You, and you know, Gambit brings up a good, a good opportunity for me to talk about flavoring a little bit, which I love to do with my characters. You did it with, with uh, Cyclops Eldritch blast. It's optic blast. Now, have you changed the mechanics of Eldritch blast at all? No, No. but you've described what it looks like. And I love to do that in D and D as long as your DM is cool with it, flavor things, make it, it's something I learned from you. Um, in fact, I, I'm not going to take it as my own idea. I got it from your idea when you made Zag, your half-orc uh, warlock, which is one of my favorite characters um, that I've played with. Um, and that's where I got the idea from. Yeah. Like for him, I wanted to play a magic archer, but I feel like the arcane archer fighter is really lackluster. So I made a warlock and his Eldritch Blast is a magic bow. I haven't changed the mechanics at all. I just changed the way I describe how it looks. And so Gambit, I felt like, is the perfect opportunity to play with this in D&D. And so his soul knife ability, um, you can make these daggers appear, and after you attack with them, they disappear. Like, they're not real, you know? So if you throw it at them, let's just describe it as blowing up instead of disappearing, you know? So he's got these playing cards and he can throw. One of the cool things about this is that this is a, this is a rogue that basically gets two attacks Um, because you can use your bonus action to make another psionic blade with your other hand. Um, So it does a little bit less damage and I won't get too far into it because this is not my main build, but think about this. Like, if you ha- basically have two chances every turn, if you're not using your bonus action for something else, you have two chances every turn to get off your sneak attack. 
So I think that um, this this could be a really really high damage build. Um, so one of the other builds, and I guess yeah. And, and before you keep going, I want to say something to any possible listening adventurers. That's that would when we when we think about Gambit, you know, the average person is going to be thinking of him as an arcane trickster, somebody who's kind of like cheap parlor tricks and uh, smooth talker, really good thief. And um, that being said, like I think that what Dan here is getting more into is his origin stories, which is something that not everybody knows about. And so keep that in mind if you're starting to feel like, oh, he's, he's getting off. It's like his gambit has a complex origin story and, and Dan really wanted to go do his homework and get into this good. And so this is really enjoyable for me. Yeah. And that, and that, that kind of brings up my next, my next point about his origin story is that like, they, they sort of touch on it in the cartoon, but like Gambit was not a good guy before he joined the X-Men, you know, um, Gambit actually led a team and worked for Mr. Sinister. And so it's really cool that you brought up this idea about um, Cyclops, you know, making a pact with Professor X, because I had kind of the same idea that Gambit makes a pact with Mr. Sinister. Um, uh, Mr. Sinister. Ooh, that guy gives me, that guy creeps me out. You know, he's, he's amazing. Because it's actually canon that like Gambit, you know his his powers come with from within his body, and he has to expel that energy. He has to get it out, otherwise his body's gonna like blow up, basically, right? And it actually like in the comics, Gambit couldn't handle the amount of energy in his body. Like he was constantly releasing and he just couldn't handle it. So he actually made a deal with Mr. Sinister and Mr. Sinister, like lowered the amount of energy that gets stored in Gambit's body. And as payment, Gambit worked for him. He did a bunch of stuff for him before he joined the X-Men. And so looking at that, I was like, yes, he made a pact with Mr. Sinister and like, in this case, like maybe it brings his power down to a more manageable level, but he's still getting his powers from his patron. You know what I mean? Yeah. So these other two builds I thought of were are both warlocks, and Mr. Sinister is his patron, which so cool, such a cool coincidence that like you had the same idea. Um and so one of the builds that I thought would be fun is for people like Gambit has that metal staff, right? Yeah, but before and you he, do that, could you explain to me something about Mr. Sinister? Did, did you explain how he converts into a patron from D and D fifth edition core rules? Like, uh, which, you know, cause like professor X is, is a, is a gin gin. What yeah. is, what is Mr. Sinister? I mean, I would say that, that Mr. Sinister is a fiend. Gotcha. If um, you said that, I apologize if you already said that, but I won't, but I didn't hear it. So I wanted to make sure we, we mentioned that because, um, because that's always really important. And yeah, I agree with you. A fiend is exactly what I think of with Mr. Sinister in fifth edition. Yeah. Uh, D and D rules. Cause a, cause a fiend can be like a, a demon or like a, like a fallen God or, you know, like a, 
um, like an abyssal being. And so I thought like that totally fits Mr. Sinister. He's totally a fiend. So, um, like a, a little bit, a little side note, the last build I thought of for, for people who really like Gambit's staff, I think that you could do a Hexblade Warlock that uses a staff. Now you'd have to use it one handed based on the way the wording is, is ruled, but you could absolutely do a build around a Hexblade Warlock who focuses on, on his staff. That being said, my main build that I want to talk about focuses on Gambit's actual power to charge objects, um, mainly his cards. And your Eldritch Blast is Cyclops's optic blast. He shoots it out of his eyes. Gambit's yes. Eldritch Blast is, is his cards. And so... I, I also focused a lot on Eldritch Blast, but at the same time, the Fiend Warlock gets so many powerful spells that I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about how I imagine flavoring his other spells to fit Gambit's powers. So, you know, Eldritch Blast, he's throwing his cards. When he, I imagine it as like him just grabbing like five cards and, and throwing them at somebody, you know? Um, and then he gets the ability at level five, you get to do it twice, you know? Uh, so he's throwing more, more cards there. I took pretty similar uh, invocations that you did. Um, let me get them real quick. So I definitely took Agonizing Blast. It's just going to make your, your Eldritch Blast more, more powerful. You could call this like Eldritch Cards or something, or Eldritch Charge. I think that'd be a cool name. I think uh, I know that's kinetic. His abilities are kinetic. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, yeah, he, he could be a kinetic blast, but you know, the cards are, were always really cool. I always thought of him as more of a distraction because when he has less power, really, they just make a poof and then he comes up and, you know, kind of like a magician where yeah. they come up on the, uh, onto the stage and then somebody drops a big platter of dishes and then somebody does something and you didn't see it because you were distracted. I, that's, yeah. that's the way I've always saw, seen those cards. And I like your staff idea because I believe that the cards would have been more of a distraction. And then all of a sudden he's, he's flanked you and he's, and he's hitting you with his staff. I think, I think there's several ways you could play gambit. And I, I, I think I just wanted to talk about this particular build because I wanted to make Gambit as strong as I always wanted Gambit to be when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I took the agonizing blast and I took the repelling blast. Same as you, the one that allows you to use Eldritch blast to knock an enemy back. Um, the last invocation I took is actually called rebuke of the talisman. Now as a, as a, you get, as a warlock, you can get a gift from your patron, right? Um, and so I chose the the talisman, the Pact of the Talisman, which I thought that this worked really well because it allows me... The Pact of the Talisman, whoever's wearing it, basically gets the guidance spell on them all the time. So if you have to make a saving throw or an ability check or whatever, you can roll an additional D4 and add that number to it. And I kind of saw that as Gambit's Cajun luck. 
He just has that little bit to be able to like, if he fails a check, like, mm, I really want to pass that. Maybe I can roll a D4 and just get it passing. Um, so the rebuke of the talisman, my last invocation, what this does is that um, whoever's wearing the talisman, which in the in my case is going to be Gambit, when he gets hit by an attacker, I can use my reaction to deal psychic damage to that attacker that's equal to my proficiency bonus, and I can push the enemy away, um, which I just thought was cool. I felt like somebody comes up and hits Gambit, and then he just like throws his cards and like they jump back out of surprise. You know, it doesn't do a whole lot of damage, but it gets the enemy away from you. Um, no, it's great. I mean, it's 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 a lot like he plays himself. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wanted to, I wanted to do that. You brought up an interesting point. Gambit's distracting. Like, you know, he distracts people. So I took the prestidigitation cantrip. Um, I thought that that made a lot of sense. Um, a couple of spells that I took, I won't go into all of them, but a couple, and I think how you can make this Gambit. I took Misty Step, which like Gambit can't teleport, but like if he could, he would, you know, yeah. and in D and D you can. So, like, Gambit is going to have Misty Step. Um, Scorching Ray was an ability that I thought of, and this allows you to shoot three fireballs, essentially. And so I thought of this as, as him, like, not just distracting with his cards, but, like, I'm going to actually, like, try and hurt this person. So Scorching Ray, he's throwing cards or charged items. And then, you know, since we took him to level six, I couldn't help but take Fireball. And what I imagine Fireball is for Gambit is like, and I want to say, I remember, I don't remember the context, but I want to say that this happens in the cartoon. They're like fighting in a mall or something and Gambit picks up a trash can, charges it and throws it and it blows up, which is going <laughs> to do a lot more damage than a card because it's huge. And I imagine that as his Fireball. Like he grabs something huge and is like, I'm going to put a bunch of power into this and I'm going to blow it up. Yeah. And fireball is one of those spells where, you know, people probably are at the point where they're just like, oh yeah, they're going to cast fireball when they get run into a wizard. It's one of the reasons why I like to not get fireball so I can think of other ways to get out of things and, right. and not make everybody roll their eyes when they have to roll a dexterity check. But when you take a trash can or when you just grab something, you're like, is there like a, a giant barrel in the room, you know, and, and then he takes it and then lights it up with his kinetic ability and then, and then throws it. And then the entire tavern is like, you know, is is shaking. You're just like, whoa. And you just took something basic like fireball and turned it into something that made people, you know, jaw drop, like, whoa, that was cool. And 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 that's 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 the best part. To me, that's my favorite part of of of, of what you're doing here. That's my favorite part about playing spellcasters is being able to describe what makes their magic unique? You know, like anybody can cast Firebolt, but like, what does that look like for this character? And like, that's one of my favorite things about D&D. And I thought that Gambit was just such a great character to illustrate that, that like, there are th three very different builds that I thought of. I'm sure people could think of even more. And like each one can be Gambit 
based on how you describe the abilities. Yeah, and another thing you covered, you might not have even thought of this, is there's usually a cost to cast spells. And, yeah. um, you know, instead of having to use silver or having to use, um, you know, other kinds of components you have to carry around with you, what if you had to look around for something in the room that you could kinetically charge and use that, and that was your spell cost? Well, and also, like... Warlocks do not have a lot of spell slots. And if Gambit's going to throw something bigger than a card, it's going to use a lot of his energy. So he can't sit there and throw more than two fireballs, you know, because that's all he's got in him. He's going to run out of spell slots. Yes. Yeah, he will. That's one of the reasons why on Cyclops, I was just like, you know what? We're just going to go Eldritch Blast. Like, I did take Scorching Ray, because that one would be cool if he wants to hit multiple people at once. But that Eldritch Blast, I'm just like, I could go through the whole thing just using that over and over again. You, you really can. You really can as a, as a Warlock. It's such a great cantrip, and Warlock can make it even better. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun with Gambit. We don't have a whole lot of time left, so I do want to talk about Jubilee for you. Um, Jubilation. Jubilation Lee. So <laughs> the the thing that, that I really thought about is obviously Jubilee's got her fireworks that she shoots, right? But also, like, Jubilee has some, like, psychic barrier powers. You know, like, if I remember right, Professor X has a little bit of a difficult time locating her. She's, she's like got some, some brain shield for lack of a better word. And so that <laughs> immediately made me think that she's got elven heritage. Um, I, I chose half elf for her and she's got that fate and ancestry ability, which means that you have advantage on saving throws against being charmed and magic can't put you to sleep. And so like, I thought that that was a really good way to illustrate Jubilee's like mental um, defense, you know? Um, and then half elf was a great choice because, you know, she's, she's kind of from two worlds. Jubilee grows up in Beverly Hills, but her parents are wealthy immigrants from China. And so she's got, this dual heritage thing going on where she's, she's, she's Chinese heritage, but she's trying to grow up as an American. So I thought half half elf was a really good choice for that. Um, I, I went with for class, I went with sorcerer and the main reason I wanted to go for sorcerer was because of the cantrip that they get called shocking grasp. Oh, and I thought that this was Jubilee's fireworks, you know? Which is why she keeps on breaking the VCR. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, Shocking Grasp, I thought, would be a great cantrip for her. What that does is it's the range is touch. So you can't shoot this the way that you can shoot Eldritch Gra uh, Blast. You have to touch an enemy. So she has to get up close because she never, like, shoots her fireworks her, you know, her, her power super far. So I thought that this would be a really good, um, idea for her. Um, you know, I, I took, I took some other spells. I don't want to get too far into it. One thing I, I do want to note is like in the modern comics, Jubilee has actually become a vampire. She gets bit by a vampire 
and and so she has some vampiric powers so because of that um i thought that for her subclass if you wanted to go down that that route uh that route i went with shadow magic uh subclass oh. yeah i didn't even know she got she got turned into a vampire was that some kind of a um side story or is it the main storyline you know what i don't even know if i can ask that you know who knows these days who knows like, these days yeah eventually i'm pretty sure brian michael bendis took over everything and i just pretend like the joss whedon uncanny x-men didn't even happen because like i i can't stand his comic where he just makes every character into one of his buffy characters yeah yeah i feel like we could talk for forever about that but yeah, shadow magic sorcerer. That was my thought. You could do some of that vampiric element. You've got the shocking grasp. You're half elf and everything. Also, I should mention, um, you know, we don't generally talk about our background choices, but if you were going to go with background, I would take the noble background um, because she comes from a family of wealth. I thought that that would be fitting. Um, so yeah, I I had a great time making these characters. I'm I'm serious. I think we should run an X-Men campaign. Okay. Okay. That well, would... we'll want to make some more characters and and that'll be good. I I can't have my wife playing as Rogue if you end up playing as Gambit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. <laughs> you know, I would love to make some more X-Men characters and maybe we'll do this for extra credit because I've got a really cool cool idea for Nightcrawler. If oh. if I were to pick a character, I think I'd pick Nightcrawler, and I think I've got a really cool idea for him. Can I make Wolverine? Yeah, because I I can't imagine not getting to make Wolverine. Like even though I'm so passionate about Cyclops, like anybody that knows me knows that I love Wolverine. Like oh, and yeah. I don't I don't care how many people love him. I don't care that he's everybody's favorite. I just care that he's my favorite. <laughs> Absolutely. Wolverine, yeah, Wolverine is so cool. Yeah, well, I love your builds. I liked your Jubilee build. Um, and, uh, you know, I love making these builds. And that reminds me, you know, if anybody starts really getting into these and they want some character sheets, just let us know. We'll send them to you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, this is this is a pleasure to do. I would have no problem sharing all that information. Um, I guess this is also a good time to bring up if anybody has any ideas, characters they want to see, themes, you guys can, ca- uh, can catch us on Twitter at podcast on Twitter. Um, I got a request in person. Oh, um, cool. We, we have a few people that listen so far. We're still pretty new and we don't really advertise or anything. So we're just mostly just doing this for fun. But uh, an acquaintance of mine, and, and I don't think we can do it on the next one because we have a certain theme in mind for next time, but we're going to push this back and do it soon um, just to give some time for some research because I know that I have watched more Buffy than you have. But I did have a special request for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and this would be a different kind of episode because they want us both to make them so they can choose which one they want to play as. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That would be fun. 
Yes. I'll have to do a little bit of research into that because I never watched the whole show. So let's definitely put that on the schedule. Um, that brings us right into the challenge that we were thinking for next week. Um, the theme we had been thinking about was like dynamic duos or best friends or like, you know, two, two, two people who were like always together. Um, and so for that, I had an idea that I wanted to challenge you to. And so I want to see you make Sherlock and Watson. Oh, like, uh, are we talking about the books or are we talking about the, uh, um, the newer TV show or the movie that was made by Guy Ritchie? Like what, what kind of theme are we going with? So I, I think the one that I want to see is I want to see the Guy Ritchie version, the Robert Downey Jr. and the Jude Law. So because glad. I'm so glad you said that because it's the only one I want to do. <laughs> I love I, Jude Law and Robert Downey Jr. together. It reminded me of our relationship, you know. Oh, I, for I sure, loved it. for sure. Like I, I was so much Watson that when we watched that movie together, I was like, I didn't realize they were making a movie about us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time I, I, uh, you know dragged you back into an MMO. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I did it begrudgingly, but I did it. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to do one that would be really funny to kind of like trick you up and, and make you go, what? And so I, one of them I was going to do was comic based. And I think since we, since we just did comics, Maybe I better do the other one, and I'm sorry, Dan. You might hate me for this, but I want you to make Rory and Lorelai Gilmore. Oh my gosh! You know, this may be a little embarrassing to admit, Paul, but I am so prepared for this. <laughs> oh yes, I gotta tell you, like that show is my guilty pleasure. Like me and I'll, I'll catch Megan watching it every now and then, and I'll like lay down next to her and be like, "Why are you watching this?" And yet. <laughs> I got my I hands have, behind my head and I'm watching it. I have seen Gilmore Girls so many times. So I am up for the challenge. Rory and Lorelai. Oh my gosh. We may, we may have to have some uh, abilities that include Luke somehow because Luke is just the best. But I'm excited, dude. This is going to be cool. This is going to be a different kind of episode. Yeah, and let's try and prepare for... Uh for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, of course. And, and and just in case I didn't mention, uh I haven't even seen the movie. We're talking about the Sarah Michelle Geller Buffy. Okay. Yeah, I figured. I didn't realize there was anything else, to be honest. Oh yeah. They they made a movie at some point. I forget the actor's name that played Buffy, but she uh you know, I, I don't remember her name. But um but we're going with Sarah Michelle Geller Buffy. Awesome. Well, uh, we're a little bit over time, so I think we're going to call it here. I had a lot of fun talking about the challenge this week. I'm super excited for next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, but mostly stay classy. <laughs> but, but mostly stay classy. Shades out. <laughs>